Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I am your host, Holt, and joined by uh, the lovely Jordan Brooks, a.k.a. JB. JB, what's up? I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Um, it's been a long day, but now we're getting to uh, talk about a little bit of college football tonight, specifically the Missouri Tigers, which uh kind of excited about this year. Yep. I mean, what if I told you... Not to uh, use the 30 for 30 start, but what if I told you that there was a team in the SEC East that plays Ole Miss and Arkansas as its two crossover games and has a quarterback who led his team to the college football playoff, has one of the best tight ends in the country, and uh, an all-American offensive lineman. I mean, wouldn't you say that team is probably in pretty good hands? Absolutely, and not to mention, you also got a uh, twelve hundred yeah. yard or twelve hundred rushing yards running back Roundtree back this year too. So there's a lot of good things to look at in Columbia. Yeah, and I knew I was forgetting someone as soon as I said that. It was like, like literally right after I said it, I was like, I know I'm forgetting somebody, and then it occurred to me right now. Of course, it's Roundtree, the guy everybody forgets about, the guy who really does not get nearly the credit he deserves. Um, he's one of the best running backs in the SEC, but you don't really hear a lot of people talk about him. Um, I did make a mistake on the uh, Kentucky preview stating that um, that Crockett was back this year, but he is not. Crockett has moved on to the NFL. Nope. So it's just Roundtree, but Roundtree was the leading rusher last year, uh, 1,200 yards, as you mentioned. And uh, But, I mean, the real question is Kelly Bryant. I mean, he transfers over from Clemson. He's a grad transfer, going to play immediately. And, um, I mean, what are kind of your opinions of Kelly Bryant and how he kind of fits into this offense? I mean, Kelly Bryant, to me, is a really poised uh, quarterback. Like, compared to some others, like, he's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to win you games, but he's not going to lose you games either. Like, I, just, I get a really poised, uh, almost kind of like a Dak Prescott-type presence with him. I don't know if I would say he's as good as a Dak Prescott, obviously. but Do you know some, who you're talking to here? I know who I'm talking to, but he's just – I'm not saying he's as good as Dak Prescott, but I'm also saying that he is a poised quarterback under pressure. I mean, let's. I mean, he did uh, take Clemson all the way to the national cha- or to the uh, college football playoff just a couple years ago, and then he gets replaced mid-season last year with Trevor Lawrence, who is probably the best quarterback prospect in the last ten years. But I mean, Kelly Bryant's no slouch, and I think uh, he, he he fits into this system because let's face it, this system that Missouri runs and their offense is very quarterback friendly. I think a lot of quarterbacks could look good with it, and especially with the uh, receivers he's got and the weapons. Um, obviously, they got the um, the tight end back, Oquibin on back. That's going to be huge for them. But 
getting Jonathan Johnson back and Jalen Knox, two other major targets. I mean, Kelly Bryant is going to fit in pretty well. Yeah, I agree. And Emmanuel Hall does move on. Um, he was their leading receiver a season ago with 828 receiving yards. Um, but that being said, he was injured a lot uh, for last year as well, I believe. So, you know, they are used to kind of playing without him. And uh, they get Arkansas grad transfer Jonathan Nance. Um, had a pretty good season. Led the Razorbacks last year with uh, 37 catches, 539 yards, and uh, five scores. So definitely, you know, a player to kind of watch out for. And they still have a lot of players who have been productive um, in that offense. So uh, a lot of weapons for for Kelly Bryant. Not to mention the uh, all um, all everything tight end Alberto. And I know you've been practicing his name. So are are you ready for your big moment to try to pronounce his name correctly? I already did once, but I'll say it again. It's Albert Okwigbanam. Okay. Well, I didn't hear you say it earlier. Um, sometimes you talk, and I just I'm just not listening, so I do apologize. But uh, as far as Jonathan Nance goes, I mean, do you see him as a guy who can show up as a grad transfer, and uh, you think he can get over that the huge uh, border war rivalry, whatever it's called, between Arkansas and Missouri? Do you think he can just totally just flip sides and be a turncoat and just show up and produce in this offense? I mean, yeah. I mean, I. This, to me, is a rivalry that the SEC is trying to force, and it, it makes geographical sense for Missouri and Arkansas to be rivals, but it's not a rivalry yet. Uh, I think eventually it could be, and I want it to be, because I think Missouri needs a rival in this conference, like a huge natural rival, and Arkansas fits the bill for it. But I think Nance is going to fit in really well with this offense. Like it's like I said before, it's a very quarterback-friendly and passing-friendly system. It has a lot of uh, quick passes, and... Jonathan Nance is pretty much going to fill the void that um, Manuel Hall had. He's going to be kind of their big play receiver, and I think he steps in and contributes immediately. Did you ever watch that show, Eastbound and Down, with Danny McBride? I never did. It's really good. I highly recommend it. But anyway, for some reason I can't help but think about uh, a quote he had on that show where he was talking about like getting traded to a new team and how you endear yourself to the new team. And he said that the best way uh, was to talk shit about the former fans about how they all sucked and how all the women had pancake titties. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> that sounds like a show I should watch. <laughs> I wish Alex was here. I feel like he would appreciate that just a little bit more because he, I, I don't know if he's watched like every episode of that show like I have, but it's a pretty great show. And that was just, I just thought about that quote like immediately. I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought that quote. So I mean, that was, anything with Danny McBride, I'm going to watch. Like I like anything that any kind of movie or show that he's in I will happily watch I think Danny McBride's one of the best comedians in Hollywood currently but I do believe that Jonathan Nance is probably shit talking Arkansas um, to endear himself to his new team and uh, maybe spicing up that rivalry a little bit you know we like to talk about what we're doing to spice up that rivalry we've talked about it numerous times on this show Um, we've honestly considered just tweeting out like fake quotes from people on each team um, just to try to see if like anyone will believe it and maybe get like something trending on Twitter so that we can just get this rivalry started because Arkansas-Missouri has been kind of dull. It has been, and, and like I was saying you know, a few quotes ago, that this is a rivalry the SEC is trying to uh, create. It's similar to how uh, they try to create this A&M-LSU rivalry, which is now finally taking off. I think Missouri-Arkansas could be a big rivalry. I mean, Columbia and Fayetteville are not very far apart, just a, couple, just a few hours, and... Um, it's also the closest school to Columbia, Missouri, is Fayetteville, Arkansas, with the University of Arkansas. So it makes sense for these two to be rivals. 
I uh, remember about, what, a decade ago, Arkansas stole Missouri's basketball coach and Mike Anderson, who's no longer there, but this should be a rivalry, and I want it to become a rivalry. We just need both of these teams to be competitive at the same time. Right. And I uh, didn't mean to get too far uh, off topic there, um, but it's just, you know, on it's kind of our mission here to try to get this Missouri-Arkansas game, like, hyped up. Um, I, don't, I don't know why we've kind of uh, – kind of attached ourselves to that but for some reason we've uh, really been trying to get that thing started we've been brainstorming trying to come up with stuff to uh, make that game a little bit more exciting um, but the on the offensive line Missouri is returning three starters um, including uh, Trevor Wallace Sims who is an all-conference all-american type player um, he's going to be a, he's going to be a senior this year they also return senior left tackle Yazir Durant and uh Retro Junior Center Tristan Colin Castillo. Apparently, just all their offensive linemen like to have two names. I don't know. Yeah, what's up there's with that. a lot of there's a lot of players on this Missouri team that have difficult names to pronounce. Yeah, I'm not really sure uh, what's up with that, but I do kind of have this theory that the the more unique your name is, like the better you are. See, like my name's Holt and I'm awesome. Your name's Jordan. That's pretty normal, and you're kind of whatever. So we both have really normal names. We both do, or maybe more or less, more so me. Oh, I was about to say, Holt's not a very normal name. Holt's not a normal name, but it's Alex, also... Alex is a very common name, and Alex sucks, so... Yeah, and then Holt's more of a uh, unique name, I guess to say at least, but it is yeah. one syllable. It is one syllable. One syllable names, I think, are really good names. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, moving over to the defensive side, um, they do lose a little bit on the defensive side. They lose Terry Beckner Jr., um, was a great player for them. Um, they do bring in um jordan elliott from texas who had eight tackles for loss against or eight tackles for loss last year for the longhorns um so he's a guy who can kind of step in and play um but you know you don't really see um on the defensive line and in the secondary you don't you see some players returning but you don't see a lot of superstars really the only player that you are really worried about on this defense is going to be kale garrett the middle linebacker um, he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the SEC this year. 112 tackles last year. Just a great football player and someone you really need to watch out for. But other than him, you don't really see a lot of guys that stand out to you. And what do you do? You kind of feel the same way, or how do you feel? Um, also, kind of like uh, some of the guys that play in their secondary. I mean, Demarcus AC is a really solid uh, kind of a lockdown corner. I mean, he's not an elite lockdown corner, but he gets the job done. And he's kind of one of the more forgotten guys. And and what I would call the SEC DBU in the SEC, considering how many great defensive backs are in this conference. But AC's a solid defender, and I think that's one guy in the uh, back seven that's going to be a key play, key component for that team. But also uh, Christian Holmes is another good lockdown corner as well. But DeMarcus AC to me is one of the more uh, forgotten uh, defensive backs in the conference. Yeah, I feel like the term lockdown corner is a little bit overused, in my opinion. No, I, like, no I, like, I like it. It's, it's, it's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, lockdown should only apply to guys who are, like, really, really good. I mean, I think AC's good. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, also, Ronald Perkins is a, is a fifth-year senior who's going to be starting this year. So, I mean, they do have some experience back there. I just don't see anyone on the defensive line or in the secondary that, like, you're really concerned about. You have that guy in the middle, um, in middle linebacker, um, in Garrett. But other than that, I don't think anyone else in this defense really – worries you if you're an offensive coordinator although there is one guy that i am going to watch um he's not he's in the two deep he's not projected by most outlets as a starter 
but the guy I'm looking at is uh, Trahan Jeffcoat from uh, Columbia, but not Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, he is a uh, sophomore coming into this season, but that's a guy that I think is going to be a really good pass rusher in uh, this defense eventually. He could be like, you know, like a Michael Sam type guy. Like, Missouri is known for uh, putting out some pretty good uh, defensive linemen. Um, obviously, uh, Michael Sam, uh, Terry Beckner. And then, yeah, what's that guy that played? Shane Ray? Shane Ray as well. So maybe Jeff Pope will be the next great defensive lineman yeah, from Missouri. It seems like Missouri always has, like, they're able to find those really good kind of maybe a little bit short defensive linemen. Like maybe yeah. not not like the tall, lanky guys, but they get those explosive, uh, maybe like kind of sawed-off type guys as yeah. uh, JB's dog chases his tail in the corner over there. Kind of <laughs> being a little distracting. I, I don't know what it is about dogs and their tails, but they just – they just love chasing them around, so hopefully yeah, well, that's not making too much well, noise. Well, the crazy thing about my dog is that um, when she chases her tail, she catches it. She does, and she's not like like most dogs can't catch her tail, but my dog can, and she's pretty good at catching. And she likes to she likes to to catch it for sure. Um, hopefully, uh, these Missouri receivers like to catch it this year. I guess. <laughs> Got to make light of it, don't you? Yeah, I guess that's the only way we can bring this back to football. Um, so. We talked. We kind of w- just went through a little breakdown of the team there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Barry Odom. Um, so, what what are your kind of opinions on Barry Odom as a coach? I mean, I'm let's see. I'm gonna try to look up his record real quick. I probably should already had that pulled up, but I'm not a professional at this. Usually, this is Alex's job. This is gonna be his fourth year at the school. Uh, he's 19 and 19. You know, he hasn't really done a lot to impress me. I feel like for some reason, like. He gets like a little bit of a pass for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why, but I mean, how do you feel about Barry Odom? I mean, he did take over uh, the great best coach that ever coached in Missouri, and Gary Pinkle. I mean, that's a very difficult guy to replace, and very hard to mimic the success that he had there. But I mean, so far he's kind of just um, maintained a status quo. I mean, they had a difficult year his first year there, but uh, the second season they went seven and five, went to the Texas Bowl, and then this year, um, you know, this past year they went what eight and four. Lost in the uh, Liberty Bowl to Oklahoma State. So, I mean, they're, they've improved every year under Barry Odom. And so, hopefully this year in year four, you're expecting for them to uh, maybe take that next step. Even though they're in a postseason bowl, man, you're expecting them to maybe get maybe nine, maybe ten wins this year. I mean, I think this team this year is solid. I think Odom has a chance to really prove himself to be not just an average coach, but maybe an above-average coach. Like, like you said, he's 19-19 and 19 overall. He's done enough. But and I think in Columbia, Missouri, I think they'd like to see something more this year. After what last year, they were just a few plays away from being a ten-win team, and it said went eight and four. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure how Missouri fans feel about Barry Odom. Um, Missouri fans, if you want to give us some feedback, you can tweet us at SEC Slow Smokes and just let us know. Because I'm kind of curious what Missouri fans think about Barry Odom, how they sort of feel about him. Because you know, obviously we're. Um, you know, I'm a fan of a team in the West, and I don't live close to Missouri, so I don't really, you know, come into contact with a ton of Missouri fans. So I'm kind of curious about like sort of how they feel. Um, let's see. So yeah, Missouri fans, if you have any opinions on Barry Odom, please tweet that at us. Um, I'm not like the biggest fan of him, honestly. Like I just I don't really see really anything that stood out to me. I thought they should have been better than they were last year. Um, I thought they played undisciplined at times. And, you know, I think hiring Derek Dooley ended up looking pretty good last year because they were pretty solid on offense, especially being able to run the ball. 
But uh, against the better defenses they played, like Georgia and Alabama, they really weren't able to do a whole lot. So that kind of concerns me, and I would just like to see them, you know, maybe produce a little bit higher level, maybe play a little bit more disciplined. Um, to me, those are the types of things that um, come back to coaching. Um, what is what is your? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna you pretty much like already told me, but like, I mean, I mean, what like in general? Do you think Barry Odom is like in danger of being in trouble if they have like a bad year this year? Because I mean, it seems like everything is lining up perfectly for them. Um, I don't think he's in trouble after this season. <laughs> like, if he let's say if he if he just completely wets the bed and doesn't do that well, I still it's he's not gonna. I don't think there's any scenario where he could get himself uh, canned after this season if they were to you know have the ultimate bad season where everything completely goes against them. But I do think that if he were to have two consecutive bad years, he would definitely uh, be feeling the heat. But after, you know, the last two seasons, last two winning seasons and going to a bowl, I think he's generally safe. I mean, there might be some Missouri fans that aren't really satisfied with Barry Odom that think they can do better, and I would halfway agree with them. I do think Missouri should have been better, should have had a better record last year. Uh, so, and, But this year, you know, with the postseason ban, it's going to be kind of disappointing no matter what they do. If they do have a good season, they're not going to really be able to show for it. But, yeah, I think Barry Odom is safe regardless this year. Yeah, but, I mean, just like you said, I mean, they underachieved a little bit last year, not to a great extent. I mean, they they had a, a decent season last year. It was nothing to shake your head at or whatever. Um, you know, there were really only a couple games last year where you really felt like they played like the team we expected them to be going into the season, or at least the team that I expected. Um those of you who have been listening to us long enough um, know that I was really high on Missouri and Drew Locke last year. I, I think I picked them to go 10-2 and two, um, with an outside shot to beat either Georgia or Alabama. And I was really hoping they were going to beat Georgia because um, that was something that I had been calling for for, for a while. But um, anyway, they kind of let me down a little bit. I thought they should have been a little bit better. But they did. You know, they went on the road and they smacked Florida around pretty good. Um, you know, they did go up to Knoxville and beat Tennessee pretty pretty badly as well. And, I mean, those were just two games that they – they it really looked – that was the team that I expected to see all season. You know what I mean? And I just – I didn't feel like they really lived up to that. And uh, basically the point that I'm coming back around to is that, you know, if Barry Odom has back-to-back disappointing seasons where, you know, it seemed like he was in position to have a much better season than he actually had, I do think there's going to start to be some rumblings. You know, I think – if they make a bowl game this year, he's probably still safe. But at some point, fans are going to want more than just preseason expectations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's – and with the schedule they have this year, I mean, they definitely can uh, improve on their record from last year and maybe make up for what they uh, screwed up on last year. But that being said, uh, we can move on to something a little bit more on the lighthearted side, a little more on the fun side. You know, we the do the tasty side. We like to the tasty side, that's right. We like to talk a lot about football, but you know, we also like to talk about food and there are some really good places to eat in Columbia and we're just gonna run through some of those real quick and just tell y'all, um we've I've never been to Columbia. You've never been to Columbia before either, have you? I haven't, but uh, these are just some places that uh that have been recommended to me by a few Missouri fans that I've met over the past few years at times and uh, just a few places that we've heard of. Uh, feel free to tweet at us at more places besides the ones that we're about to mention. Uh, places to uh, eat when you travel to Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, that's right. I do hope to make a trip up there sometime in the near future. Um, and I'm anytime I go to a new place, I'm always wanting to try out some good local places that you can't get anywhere else. And um, but like you like you said, we have a couple of those places uh, listed here that we're about to talk about. And um, just stuff that we've heard about. Um, the first one 
uh, is one that looks really good to me, and that's uh, Shakespeare's Pizza. Um, it's just kind of a, you know, I mean, just your regular pizza joint type place. Um, they have this, they have something called the Darwin, which is actually named after a uh, former mayor of Columbia, um, with red onions, green peppers, artichoke heart, tomatoes, and turkey, which maybe doesn't sound like the most delicious pizza in the world, but as someone at, like myself who's been trying to eat healthy this past year or so, um, that is something that really jumps off the page to me as something that not only tastes really good, but is also not going to like totally ruin your diet for the day. What you got on that, JB? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not on a crazy diet like you are, but I do try to eat better than I used to. I used to eat like a kid up until about a couple of years ago, and now, you know, getting older, we have to start uh, slowing down and eating healthier because we want to live long lives and be able to watch more SEC football for the future. So I got to be better about myself. But uh, this pizza is actually not just being named after the mayor, but the mayor was known for his like healthy lifestyle and his love for bicycling. So that's why it's more of it's kind of like a healthier pizza, even though I wouldn't even call any pizza healthy, but it has more healthy toppings for us. If you know, put it in better words. Right, and that's definitely something that I would like to try maybe one day because you know, like like you said, I mean, during we want to watch a lot of football, want to hang around for a while. Another thing too is you know we want to be able to. You know, when it's really hot, like in those first few games of the season, you want to be able to, uh, you know, not saying you want to be shirtless or anything, but, you know, you got to strip down to, you know, as little amount of wear as you as you can, and you want to be able to look good. You know, you want to be confident in yourself, right, JB? Yeah, you do. You don't want to look like, you know, some of these uh, people that should not be uh, stripping clothes. Yeah, like Ed Orgeron. No, no, I'll give Ed Orgeron. You didn't, did doubt. you see that video of Ed Orgeron? Right I did. On? Okay. I saw that, but no, that actually wasn't even that order on though. See, that's that's all. I was, doppelganger, I was so confused because I didn't think it was him the first time I saw him, but then so many people said that it was Ed Orgeron that I I could just immediately like I just started thinking that it actually was him. But the first few times I saw it, I was like, that's not him. No. But then so many different people have said that it was him. So like, you're sure you're officially stating that that was not Ed Orgeron? No, that this guy was probably about 30 pounds heavier than Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron's in pretty good shape okay. for his All age. Right. If you say so. I mean, I, that's what I thought too, but then I just, I feel like I saw so many people say that, but anyway, back to Missouri restaurants. Um, one that's been recommended to us by one of our most dedicated Twitter followers uh, was uh, Como Smoking Fire. Uh, it's a Blue's Barbecue Place, which is obviously our favorite, um, being SEC Slow Smoked. Um, but, you know, I mean, we are from Memphis, and we will pretty much fight anyone who says that Memphis doesn't have the best barbecue in the world. But we will give Como Smoking Fire some, some just do here. Uh, apparently, they're really known for their burnt ends. What do you know about burnt ends, JB? It's supposed to be the uh, fatty uh, parts of the uh, brisket. And it's supposed to be extremely flavorful, too. But it's not the most uh, nutritious and not the most protein, but it's highly flavorful and very forgiving and very unique too. Some a lot of places don't serve burnt ends, but that's one thing that I have yet to try, and I do want to try the next time. I, next time I ever go somewhere that does have burnt ends. Yeah, I do as well. And the thing is too, I always end up ordering way too much food. It ends up being way too expensive when I go to new barbecue places, like when I go to a barbecue place for the first time, because I feel like you have to try the ribs. Like anytime you're going to a barbecue place for the first time, you have to try the ribs, even if they're not known for that, because that's just sort of like. I mean, to me, that's like the standard of like whether you're a good barbecue place or not. But then like all these different barbecue places around the country, they all have like their own little special thing that they do that's like unique to them. And you feel like you have to try that too. And a rack of ribs a lot of times will, you know, run you in like 20, 
20 something dollars or whatever so you know you really that bill really starts to add up and it ends up being like way too much food you have a ton of leftovers but you know you gotta you gotta do the best you can you do i mean when like ribs like you're when you pay for ribs like you're almost paying the same price as you pay for a steak i mean ribs are considered the uh, delicacy of you know barbecue but at the same time like i don't know how you can be a good barbecue joint and not have good ribs yeah, like, uh, it, not just pork ribs, but I'm also a fan of beef ribs, too. If you can get some good beef ribs somewhere, those are highly legit. It almost tastes like steak, in a way, but, but I mean, I, I still prefer pork ribs. I think it gets better smoke flavor, but beef ribs are legit, too. And is Como actually in Columbia, or is that just in Missouri? It's in it's in Columbia. Oh, it is? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was confused on that, but now I know. And then uh, the last place that we wanted to talk about was a place called Murray's. Um, apparently, they, they've got some frog legs. Yeah, like that's a very unique uh, southern food. I mean, you don't, you can't get frog legs everywhere, but uh, it's kind of cool to see that in Columbia, Missouri. I guess Columbia, Missouri, they're trying to uh, get a little bit more southern roots now, being in the SEC. Maybe so. Have you ever had frog legs before? I have, and I like them. I mean, it's not my favorite thing, but it, you know, it's a unique item. It's kind of like you know, getting something like fried alligator when you go somewhere on the bayou. You Can know? you eat alligator? Yeah, I like alligators. Okay. It's good. I'm confused because like I know you have like fish allergies, and I feel like uh, <laughs> like f- like frogs and alligators is like as close to fish as you can get without actually being fish. I mean, even though they're them. even though they're in water sources, you know, in water, but they're not exactly you know seafood. It's still an amphibian. Right. I guess that's true. I don't know, uh, but apparently also known for bread pudding. Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with bread pudding. I mean that's I would I. When I've done research on bread pudding, I think it originated in New Orleans. Uh, someone can correct me if not, but I believe that's where it originated. But every single culture has their own makeup of their own bread pudding, like in different parts of the country, like, you know, different fruits or different fillings for it. But uh, this place, uh, it's, a good, it's a good way to finish a meal, though. Have some frog legs to start your meal and then bread pudding to finish it. Yep, and then they got that double pork burger as well as something that is really unique to them, so I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I mean, a burger made out of pork. I mean, I love pork, and I would happily try that. Yeah, and apparently uh, just a very cool atmosphere at Murray's. Just, they like to play like a lot of live music, a lot of jazz music, so just a really, really cool vibe there and get some good like southern food, and you know, it's just a cool place to, uh, to check out. Um, and like I said, if maybe we forgot a few places or maybe if there's something else at those restaurants that we should be eating besides that uh, on our next trip to Columbia, then be sure to tweet that at us. And um, I guess now we'll just go ahead and get into the schedule, JB. Um, very favorable favorable schedule for the Tigers this year. Um, does anything really stand out to you about the schedule other than kind of like how it broke for them? Um, I think it's the easiest schedule in the SEC, arguably, this year. I mean, you could not ask for a better schedule for Missouri. I mean, this schedule is almost as easy as a, a Big 12 schedule, and that's being really kind. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not a Big 12. It's not as easy as a Big 12 schedule. I mean, I still think this schedule is harder than the than the toughest Big 12 schedule Missouri ever had during their days in the Big 12. But this is a really good schedule by SEC standards, and it's very workable too. Especially how it's um front loaded or it's uh back loaded, but the front you want you want to start off good, and the first. To me, the first eight games of this schedule are all games that they could be favored in. Yeah, I believe so, too. And, I mean, looking at their schedule, I really only see uh, two games that I think, as of right now, they would be an underdog in. And then maybe you could add, you know, obviously I'm thinking of Georgia and Florida 
um, as games that I think they would be underdogs in if they played today. Um, and I, other than that, I mean, maybe Tennessee, you know, but I, I don't – maybe South Carolina, I'm not sure, but that game is at home for, for Missouri. So, I mean, I don't know how many games on this schedule, like if they're playing right now, do you think they would not be favored in? Yeah, but to me, the only games that you can really count on them not being favored in, honestly, I think the only one that I can guarantee they're not going to be favored in is at Georgia. Right. I mean, I think they could easily be favored at home against Florida. I mean, if we remember last year, they went to Gainesville and, and beat them 38-17, blew them out in, in Gainesville on, in the Swamp. And then uh, there's two teams, to me, that are kind of wild cards this year on their schedule, South Carolina and Tennessee. They could be anywhere from four wins to eight wins for both of those teams. We don't know what to, what we're going to be getting from them. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, they're the kind of team that can maybe score enough points and keep up with the Missouri offense. And then also they got to play in at Vanderbilt and at Lexington. Those are two games that are definitely not gimmies anymore. And then, of course, you wrap up the season uh, at Arkansas playing in Little Rock and with the border rivalry that we're trying to create. So, but, but with all that being said, I mean, there's really only one game on this schedule, you know, in the preseason that I can – say with it without a doubt that they're going to be not favored and i think 11 of these games if everything goes right for them they might be favored right no i completely agree so i mean you look at it and you just think like man like how could they do anything other than win 10 games this year but you know we'll just have to wait and see and i mean you know vanderbilt and kentucky on the road back-to-back weeks i mean like i mean they'll they might be favored in both of those games i think they'll most likely be favored against vanderbilt kentucky i'm not as sure but you know, I mean, they could. Those are two games that you, if someone who didn't watch a lot of SEC football was looking at this schedule, they would probably just mark both of those as wins. But those are going to be tough games for Missouri. They are, and they're both back-to-back weeks too. And and even though Vanderbilt, Kentucky are kind of, uh, I guess you can call them slight rebuilds this year. They're both still going to be highly competitive teams. Like there is not a slouch in the SEC this upcoming season. I mean, Arkansas kind of struggled last year. They're going to be much improved. I mean, I think every team in the SEC this year, all 14 teams to me, if everything goes their way, you will be competing for bowl positioning going into November. All right, so let's just go ahead and we're just going to go game by game here. Uh, So if we split on a game, I guess we're just going to have to ask Alex later and he's going to have to break the tie for us. But uh, we'll just go through and give our picks and tell you what we think. Um so first week we're traveling all the way out to Wyoming to play the Wyoming Cowboys. Um seven thirty Eastern, six thirty God's time on CBS Sports Network. Um any any shot for an upset here for the Cowboys? I mean this is in Wyoming and you know, they, they play some really good football out there. I mean they not bad for a uh, you know, a, for a, you know, the Wyoming Cowboys to be not that bad in football, but I got to go with Missouri here. I mean, they're way too talented. Missouri has got a lot to prove. I mean, I think Wyoming, I mean, I, Wyoming, I think Missouri takes care of business here. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, probably won't be like the easiest one ever. You know, they may have to sweat it out for like the first half, but I think they will uh, get the win here. And then week two, uh, they're hosting the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, they got a new coach this year, Neil Brown. Uh, their quarterback, Will Greer, has moved on, and their outstanding receiver, moved on as well um so kind of a rebuilding west virginia probably a team that is not in their you know not not in their best setting um so what do you think about uh this game it's gonna be an 11 a.m game as well in columbia you know if this game was last year this would be a lot more intriguing to me with the have the drew lock uh 
Will Greer matchup, but West Virginia is kind of in a rebuild coming off coming off the last season. I thought last year was going to be West Virginia's year to uh, make some noise in the national race if they ever were going to do so. And they they were competitive all year and up until the uh, final week of the season when they played Oklahoma, they were in the in the mix in the Big Twelve. But this year is going to be a rebuild year for West Virginia with this game being in Columbia. Uh, even though on paper, you know, it's two Power Five programs, I think this is a very one, very easily favorable game for for Missouri. I got Missouri taking care of business here. Yeah, and I have them winning as well. I do think I do give West Virginia a little bit more of a shot than you do. I mean, they still, uh, I think, have some some players. Uh, the The change in offense is not that drastic. It should be, you know, I mean, it's going to be maybe new some new terminology and. You know, obviously a new coach and stuff like that, but this is a team going from a passing first offense to a, a passing first offense. So, I mean, it, it isn't like, you know, it's not like uh, Chad Morris at Arkansas last year where you're completely trying to fit, you know, square pegs and round holes here. I mean, the, they should be able to run that offense. And I do, you know, just like we were saying earlier, I, I'm not totally in love with Missouri's defense. So I could maybe see a scenario where West Virginia puts up some points in this game, but I am going to go with. Uh, Missouri in a, in a close one in this one as well. Uh, the next week they're going to play uh, Southeast Missouri or, or SEMO, as some people like SEMO. to call them. Um, I don't think we really need to discuss this game, do we? No. Yeah, mark sure. that. Mark the W on that. Sharpie it if you have to. That's th- it's three no start. All right, this will win, and then then they are going to be hosting the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, South Carolina has a really tough schedule this year. Um, they're going to have a, <laughs> I mean, they're going to have a really tough time. They. Uh, they do travel to Alabama, or they play Alabama at home the week before this game. Uh, probably going to get beat pretty badly, um, if I had to guess. Um, and then they're going to be coming on the road. So uh, this not a great spot for South Carolina. Um, I do really like Jake Bentley this year. South, Car- uh, South Carolina is one of those teams where their schedule is so hard this year that they may actually have a worse record and be a better team than they were a season ago. And that's the crazy part about South Carolina. They have the toughest schedule in the country. I mean, nothing's been favorable for them. But uh, like you said, uh, they play Alabama at home the week before. They're coming off a very uh, emotional game. I'm, I'm expecting South Carolina to play their hearts out against Alabama, but Alabama's just going to be way too talented for them. So South Carolina will probably be a 2-1 and one team coming into this one. I like Missouri in this one as well. I just like the matchup for this. Uh, last year when they played, um, Missouri made a lot of mistakes in Columbia in which they should not have made. And if they didn't make those mistakes, I think Missouri would have won. But when the rain came, that's what completely turned the game around for the Gamecocks and were able to prevail against Missouri. I think this year if there's no rain, I think Missouri takes care of business again or takes care of business this time. Yeah, I agree. And um, then they played Neil Brown's um, former team. They played Neil Brown's new team earlier in the season in West Virginia, so they're going to play his, uh, his former team on October 5th, the Troy Trojans. Um, obviously, they are going to have a new coach as well. Their quarterback transferred to Kentucky to be the backup. Um, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I think Missouri should win this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Neil Brown, he, all due respect to him, he was an awesome coach at Troy. He, he built a really great product at Troy, but new coach – at Troy and going on the road playing in the SEC. I'm not going to go with Troy here. Safe picks, obviously, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's also coming off a bye week before this game as well. Um, and then they're traveling to Ole Miss, and they're listed as the homecoming game. Is that right? Uh, no, no, this this game is in uh, this game is in Columbia, Missouri. But, yeah, 
Oh, it is in Columbia. Yeah, it's in Columbia. So, so Colum- I'm sorry. So, Missouri scheduled Ole Miss as their homecoming game. Yeah. Okay, I got that backwards for a second. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you got to be disrespected to be the homecoming team. So, you know, like, anytime I feel like there's a homecoming team and a conference matchup in the SEC, the visiting team always comes in with a little extra motivation because if you feel disrespected, nobody wants to be the homecoming team, especially if you're an SEC team. I don't even care if it's in the same conference. You don't want to be the homecoming team. Didn't Ole Miss do that to Vanderbilt, like, a year or two ago? I think they did. This sounds familiar. I mean, it's 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 not very common in the SEC, but when you are the homecoming team, you you feel a little slighted by that. And I think Ole Miss is going to come in to Columbia, and they're going to really play a good football game against them. I think this is going to be high-scoring Ole Miss. You know, he's got two new coordinators, uh, two former head coaches, and Rich Rodriguez. And um, I can't remember his name either. Like I always, I know, always I know, his, I know, I know his name. Too. He's a guy from Colorado, Mike McIntyre. Mike McIntyre from Colorado. I mean, everything comes off. I always want to say Dan Hawking, but he was the Colorado. I was about coach to say Dan Hawkins too. But <laughs> I was going to say Dan Hawkins, but Dan Hawkins, but my mind is on stranger things. You know, Hawkins, Indiana. But going beyond that, I'm, I do think that Ole Miss is um, going to be highly motivated going into this game. They got two former head coaches as coordinators now. Matt Luke made some solid hires there. Ole Miss is going to put up some points against this Missouri defense, I expect. I think this is going to be high scoring. They're going to be motivated. But and this is Missouri's trap game, in my opinion. Uh, this, But I am going to go with Missouri in a close win, and this will propel Missouri to a 6-0 and record. Yeah, I'm going to go with Missouri also in this game. I do agree that um, Ole Miss is going to come into this game fired up. I think you know they're going to have a couple of tough losses early in the season. You know, Ole Miss is one of those teams that I feel like they could go downhill really quickly. Um, obviously, they're a, I think they're a six or seven point underdog to start the season against Memphis, and then they play Alabama right after that. So uh, they could get off to a, a really rough start. And this point in the season, uh, Matt Luke could really be coaching for his job. And obviously, we talked about the whole homecoming edge thing. So as my dishwasher goes off in the background, I apologize for that. Um, so I think Ole Miss is definitely going to come in this game and, you know, they're going to be ready to play and they're going to leave it all on the field. You know, uh, Matt, uh, a.k.a. Golden Corral, going to be the quarterback <laughs> for Ole Miss this year. I'm not really sure how he fits into Rich Rodriguez's offense, um, but, you know, Rich Rodriguez is a really smart guy and I think that he will make the most of that situation. I mean, Corral can run a little bit, but he's he's definitely more of a pocket passer from what I've seen so far. And a couple of Ole Miss running backs to watch out for, um, just while we're talking about them. You know, obviously they returned Scotty Phillips, who had uh, close to a thousand yards rushing last year, and would have gotten that easily were it not for a late a late uh, season injury. And then they also bring in a five star running back Jaron Ely, who's going to be a great player for them. So uh, two guys to watch out for in that running game. And you know, as we've kind of alluded to already, we're not completely sold, or at least I'm not completely sold. You may be more so than I am on Missouri's defense, but uh, I do believe Ole Miss will be able to put up some points in this game, but uh, I don't think they're going to be able to stop uh, Roundtree for Missouri, and I think Kelly Bryant and Roundtree both can have a big game uh, running the ball against Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, I think Missouri's going to be able to establish a running game against Ole Miss and be able to control that and try to keep Ole Miss's offense off the field. But like I said, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think because it's going to be kind of a crossroads game for Ole Miss and Matt Luke. They're going to be motivated being the homecoming team. And this is going to almost kind of feel like maybe there will be their last stand and combine that with Missouri kind of having that as a trap game before they hit the gauntlet of their schedule. Uh, I think this could be a, a game that almost can really sneak up on Missouri, but I have to go with uh, Missouri here. 
All right, and the next week they travel down to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, they do return Keyshawn Vaughn, their running back. Um, we've already done the Vanderbilt preview, so if you want some more information on Vanderbilt, you can go back and listen to that. Um, and in that uh, preview, I kind of felt bad for picking Vanderbilt to lose every game, so I may have picked them to beat Missouri, so I guess I'm going to have to say that uh, Missouri's perfect season comes to an end in uh, Nashville, Tennessee against the Commodores. That would be quite a win for Derek Mason, but what do you have on this game, JB? I uh, picked Vanderbilt to win this one as well. Uh, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be you know, a bad team this year. I mean, they went to a bowl last year. I mean, they did lose a lot of uh, seniors off last year's team. I think they had like 22 seniors that were on that team last year, so they did lose a lot of experience. But I, I, this is the game that I think that Vanderbilt is able to uh, get a big win at home and uh, get maybe what they could call maybe their signature win of the season. And, uh, you know, last year when they played, it was a pretty close game. Uh, Missouri only won 33-28 in Columbia. So, I mean, these two teams aren't really that far apart talent-wise, but I do think Missouri is a little more talented. But, you know, that's why they have to still play the games. And I I just feel like Vanderbilt, you know, or excuse me, Missouri is going to be kind of – they might slightly overlook Vanderbilt because after that they still got to go play at Kentucky and then – you know, I think they're going to be looking at Kentucky as more of a tougher game. And Vanderbilt, you know, that's a team that, can, that sneaks up on everybody in the SEC. Even, they're still, to me, disrespected, even though they still have been to two bowls in the last uh, three seasons. Right. And well, as we talked about in the Vanderbilt preview, the skill positions on offense for Vanderbilt are, are pretty solid. I mean, we talked about Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back. They also return pretty much all the receivers and their tight end. Um, so they really got some playmakers. Unfortunately, though, for them, they lose a lot on the, on that offensive line from last year. It was pretty much all seniors. So that's going to be, you know, kind of the the question mark in this game to me is is Vanderbilt's offensive line versus Missouri's defensive line, and how does that matchup go? Um, but like I said, I'm going with Vanderbilt here, and I believe the you said you picked Missouri in this game. No, I picked Vanderbilt. Did you pick them on the Vanderbilt preview? I did. Okay. I did. All right. So we got. Vanderbilt at six and one, or we got uh, Missouri at six and one. Is that right, or five and one? Six you know, one. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I think. No, actually, I picked Missouri. Yeah, I think you picked. Missouri. I think you. I don't know why I was Missouri. going to Vanderbilt, but you know, actually, I I did pick Missouri. So, even though I gave that analysis on Vanderbilt, I mean, it's still very valid analysis. But, you know, I can't I can't switch my pick. I've already locked it in. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Missouri here. Okay, so yeah, so I do believe that Alex also picked Missouri on the preview. So as far as the SEC slow-smoked official picks go, Missouri is still undefeated when they travel to the grocery store uh, to try to walk out with a W against the Kentucky Wildcats at Kroger Field. Um, So obviously Kentucky was our last preview. We did that earlier this week. Um, You know, they lose a a lot of great players in last year's team, but they bring back a decent amount. And this game is in Lexington. Um, what sticks out to you about this game? Well, by this point of the season, uh, if everything goes correct in my mind, uh, Missouri's going to be a 7-0 and team. Probably going to be hovering around the top 10 in the country at this point. Uh, they're going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. And then they're going to be going into Kroger Field against a highly motivated Kentucky team that's going to be probably hovering around 500 at this point. And they're going to need a big notch, a big win to uh, propel them uh, – to bowl eligibility status, you know, in November. And uh, this is the game that I picked Missouri to lose their first game of the season going to Kroger Field because I think we've all had this quote, you don't go to Kroger Field 
and expect to come out with a W. And this is going to be the first L for the season for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, and I do believe that I also pay Missouri to lose this game as well on the Kentucky preview. Um, so, unfortunately, Missouri's perfect record in the SEC slow smoked. Um, pre preseason schedule comes to an end um, on October twenty sixth in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, you know, I just I like Mark Stoops a little bit more as a coach than Barry Odom, but at the same time, I've in my at least in my eyes, uh, Mark Stoops was in a similar position as. Uh, Barry Odom is in this year before he had that, you know, really good breakthrough season. Um, but I just like Mark Stoops a little bit better as a coach. They're uh, at Kentucky, and it's just really hard to win on the road in the SEC. And um, I think Kentucky's maybe not taking taking quite as big of a step back as some people think. Um, and then uh, after that, they got a bye week before they travel down to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, there's been some smoke this year about Georgia maybe being a little bit overrated among uh, some uh, some really smart college football experts. People are a lot smarter than us. Um, but do you think there's any shot that Missouri could go down there and upset the Bulldogs? I mean, absolutely. I can see that happen. I mean, last year, I mean, Missouri uh, led for a lot of the game against Georgia and, you know, played a pretty competitive game against Georgia. But ultimately, just weren't able to generate enough offense against, you know, Georgia in order to keep up with them. But uh, this game, uh, Missouri is going to be coming off a bye week. And depending on where Missouri stands at this point in the season, if it holds true to what I have, they'll only have one loss going into this game. and They'll still have a lot to play for. Granted, there's no postseason, but maybe they're motivated to be the spoiler for Georgia. Georgia, at this point in the season, is probably going to be undefeated or only have one loss as well. This is going to be a very hyped game. Could be end up being the CBS game. I haven't looked at – well. Maybe not because that's also, I think, when LSU and Alabama play. Maybe they'll do a doubleheader that week. Be a good idea. I haven't looked at what the November 9th weekend is. That's usually around when LSU and Alabama play. I think yeah, actually. Last year it was the third. It was November 3rd they played last year. I think I actually just recently looked. I think LSU and Alabama do play November 9th this year. But this could be a uh, big time game at this point in the season. But I am going to go with Georgia. I just think that, you know, this is kind of their year to uh, really. Um, Put every put the last two years behind them and get over that hump and try to get into the uh, college football playoff and not just get into it but try to win a national championship. I mean they came close two years ago. Last year they lost an SEC championship. Georgia's playing at home in Athens between the hedges. I'm gonna have to go to Georgia here in an extremely close game. Yeah, and I, I do think Missouri has a shot in this game. I just worry about you know like I've been pretty much saying the whole podcast. I mean I am worried worried a little bit about that Missouri defense and I think. Georgia's got the ability to run the ball, throw the ball. Um, I think, you know, obviously they're at home. So it's, I just think that this is going to be a big game for Georgia's offense. And I think Kelly Bryant could have a big game. You know, I think Roundtree can have a big game. But I just don't – I don't see them putting together enough offense to be able to keep up with Georgia in this one. Um, I hope to see it. I do agree that this is going to be a huge game. This game's going to determine the SEC East for sure, in my opinion. Um, you know, that being said, uh, I am going to go with – uh, Georgia in this one um, and then they will return home to Columbia the next week to play the Florida Gators a team they beat pretty soundly last year uh, Florida returns a lot on defense they they should be really talented on that side of the ball offensively they have some question marks I'm not really sold on Felipe Franks but he did sort of get better as the season went on last year um, do you think that Florida can bounce back and win in Missouri this year or do you think Missouri's got Florida's number Absolutely. Like, I really love this uh, Florida defense coming into this season with a lot of returning starters. I believe eight is what I counted that they had returning on the defensive side of the ball this year. 
And uh, when you look at Dan Mullen's history, like he's a guy that if he loses to you once, he's going to come extra motivated the next year to beat you. Like he, he's not a guy that wants to, you know, build up a losing reputation with anybody unless it's Nick Saban because everybody loses to Nick Saban. But Mullen's going to be motivated with this team with this game uh, after what after the way Missouri embarrassed the Gators last year in Gainesville. I think Florida comes into this one highly motivated. Ty Grantham is going to conjure up a really good game plan to try to limit. Uh, that Missouri running game and try to make Kelly Bryant beat them through the air, which I kind of feel like I say that about a lot of teams that Grantham plays against, but Grantham is a guy that likes to uh, send the house on almost every play and, you know, just try to create pressure and take away the run game. And I think this is a matchup in which Florida is going to come in motivated and uh, steal a win in Columbia. Yeah, and when you talk about Grantham, you know, you talk about a guy who's going to get a lot of big plays on defense. He he kind of contained himself a little bit last year. He wasn't – he didn't quite live up to his reputation last year as like a crazy blitzer. Um, but the book on Grantham for a long time has been, you know, obviously how aggressive he is. And he's going to get a lot of big plays. He's going to get a lot of sacks and turnovers. But he's also going to give up a lot of big plays. And that was really – uh, the story for Missouri last year in this game, Drew Locke was able to complete a lot of long passes down the field, and that was part of the reason why I picked them to win that game last year. And you know they were able to go on there and win very easily. Um, you know we know Missouri has a lot of firepower back on offense this year. It's you know is Kelly Bryant going to be able to do enough to um, to carry this offense in this game? And I, I believe he will. I think Missouri is going to get the win in this one. Um, unfortunately, we don't have Alex here to break this tie, and we haven't done the Florida preview, so we're going to have to get his opinion on this one mm-hmm. before we can officially say what the SEC slow smoke uh, schedule says. But that being said, um, I, I just like Missouri's offense a little bit better. I'm, not, I'm still not sold on Felipe Franks. I think he's going to be the quarterback all year this year, and I think Dan Mullen works magic with quarterbacks, but I think Felipe Franks has a ceiling in that offense just because he's not really built to run it. Um, I do expect Florida to play a good game offensively, but I, I just I think Missouri's got a little bit more firepower, and they're going to be able to give that Florida defense some problems. And you know I do like that pick Holt. I mean I, I like this um, Missouri. I mean I like this matchup for Missouri too, but to me it's just it's just about motivation at this point. I think Florida's. I mean Missouri's going to be coming off uh, two consecutive losses going into this one. I just and I think Florida at this point in the season still going to be in the thick of the East race, and I just think they're going to have a little bit more to play for at this point and. It's main. That's kind of the main reason why I'm going to go with Florida, but I, I, I think this game could go either way, both sides. I mean, just it really depends where each of these teams are at this point in the season. Yeah, and then the second to last week of the season, uh, the Missouri Tigers are going to be hosting Tennessee. Jerry Pruitt's coming to town. Um, obviously, Tennessee is your team, JB, and you will have more uh, information on Tennessee about what to expect from them this year. Where, where do you think this Tennessee team will be come? Uh, November 23rd. Um, by this point of the season, I think Tennessee's probably going to be looking at a uh, maybe a 6-4, and 7-3 and three caliber record. I think I think Tennessee's floor is about six wins, and their ceiling's about nine wins, so that puts them in the ballpark at six or seven wins going into this game. Uh, but I like Missouri in this one. Missouri is not a good matchup for the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, Missouri, I think Pruitt, it's, it's going to take maybe, maybe another year or two for Pruitt to get Tennessee plan to the way he wants them to play. I do think they're going to be much improved. They got a better schedule, more favorable schedule this year, and they got eight starters back on offense, six on defense. But I like Missouri, and that's when Missouri beat them like a drum last year in Knoxville, and it's just all because of the matchup. I think Tennessee can score more points this year. I think their offense is going to be much improved under Jim Chaney, 
And I, I think the offense might surprise some people, too. I think Garantano is poised to have a breakout season. And I think the defense is going to be much improved, too. But I think uh, Missouri wins this one. I'm not going to say it's a blowout, but I do think they can win this one maybe about, I'd say at least by a touchdown, maybe by 10. Yeah, and it, this is really hard for me because I don't know what to expect from Tennessee this year. I mean, we know they've got talent. We know they've got a lot of talent. Um, we know Jim Chase coming in this year, and he's got a great reputation. But the problem last year was wasn't Garantano. It was the offensive line not being able to protect him. I mean, he really got hit hard last year in some games. And he's a really talented guy, and they've got some really talented receivers as well. They've got a lot of talent on defense. And I definitely do agree. I think Tennessee's defense is going to take a big step forward this year, and they're going to be a solid unit. And, man, this is this is a really tough game for me to pick. I'm going to pick Missouri just because they're at home, and I just trust them more because at this point we know more. You know what I mean? Obviously, like, this will change during the season, obviously, but at this point in time, I just I, – I know more about Missouri. I feel like I have more confidence in what they can be. Um, I think Tennessee's ceiling may be a little bit higher than Missouri's, but – you know, I also think Missouri's floor is a lot higher. I mean, just like you said, I mean, you could see them going six and six or nine and three. I mean, I I would even say that I could see them going ten and two. I mean, honestly, like I think they have the players to pull something like that off. And we've seen, you know, the the great coaches in the SEC. They have that big second year when no one really expects it. Um, you know, Nick Saban did that his second year at Alabama. Curry Smart did that his second year at Georgia. Urban Meyer's second year at Florida. You know, so. That's sort of kind of the trend for, for these really good coaches. And, I mean, I'm not saying Jeremy Pruitt is, but I'm just saying, like, that's really what I think about when I think about Tennessee. And I'm just thinking, like, are they going to be able to take that big step in the second year um, that some other coaches have taken? Um, but that being said, I am picking Missouri, and we're going to go ahead and move on to the biggest rivalry in college football. <laughs> um, John, Jonathan Nance is going to gather everyone in the in the huddle in Missouri and – talk about how much Arkansas's fans suck and how all their women have pancake titties to rile rile up his teammates <laughs> and uh and then uh take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas is another team this year that like I just you know, I don't they're not going to be as terrible as they were last year. I think they've they've got some really talented receivers, but they're all young. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're young players. Um they had a couple of quarterbacks transfer in. Uh none of them really just excites you that much but they should be better offensively this season and I mean they should be better defensively as well so you know Arkansas is another team that I think I don't they're not going to go two and ten again this year I think their floor is about four wins but you know if they could get to like six or seven wins I mean that would be a really (laughs) good second season for Chad Morris um just based on like where he had to start and how they had to totally (laughs) You know, some coaches come into a rebuild, but he was in a situation where not only was he rebuilding, but he was also taking over a team that was meant to run a completely different offense than he than he ran. So, what do you uh, think about Missouri or Missouri playing Arkansas this year? Oh yeah, starting with Arkansas, um, like you said, Chad Morris inherited a, a situation that is not just a rebuild, but he's also getting players that are going to try to fit his system. He he inherited a team that was built to. Uh, play a power run game and now he's you know trying to spread the ball out and be a passing team and he just doesn't have the horses to do that yet and I do think Arkansas is going to be much improved this season I, I do like them but in my opinion if, if if Arkansas goes to a bowl this year they're ahead of schedule I don't think they're a bowl team just yet 
But I do project that Arkansas could be at four or five wins coming into this game, and they might be at five wins in which a win at, in Little Rock will propel them to a bowl. But Missouri is just too much for them, in my opinion. I think Missouri is just way too talented. You know, last year, I mean, they, they shut out Arkansas, beat them 38 nothing in Columbia. I don't know if it's going to be that bad this year with the game being in Little Rock, and that's kind of an underrated place. I mean, it seems like Arkansas always plays teams tough in Little Rock. And they might be playing for bowl eligibility at this point, at this game. At this game. They might be a 5-6 and six team. But I am going to go with Missouri here. I think Arkansas is still another year away from making it to a bowl. But I do think Chad Morris has them heading in the right direction. Yeah, and this year will be will be huge for Arkansas. And obviously we'll talk about that more in the Arkansas preview. Um, I'm also going with Missouri in this game. Um, I think Arkansas has a chance to win this game. I definitely do. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a long ways away and – these two teams could be heading in completely different directions when this game comes around. You know, it's so far away. It's so hard to predict this game right now. But, you know, similarly with Tennessee, I mean, I just have so much more faith in Missouri to actually be like a decent team this year than Arkansas. Arkansas really got a lot to prove this season uh, based off not only what they did last year, but what they did at the end of last year. I mean, they didn't improve as the season went on. I mean, their last two games, they got – absolutely destroyed by Mississippi State and then they got absolutely destroyed and shut out against Missouri in that last game of the season so they did, really did not finish the season on a strong note it seemed like they were going in the right direction so Arkansas has definitely got a lot to prove this season yeah they do I mean last year it was you know it, it was a horrendous season for them by all standards I mean they did play LSU really tough at home uh, you know at near the latter stages of the year and they did put 31 points up on Alabama which is Kind of impressive. Not many teams can put that many points up on them. But, like I said, I do think Arkansas is going to be improved. I think they're going to get a few more wins than they did last year. They went 2-10 last year, I think. I haven't really done their schedule yet to project it, but I do think I think 5-7 uh, and seven is what I saw yeah. when I glanced at it, which is, well, a, they, which is an improvement. They don't play the tough uh, <laughs> out-of-conference schedule, so they should be able to win all four of their out-of-conference games and then maybe one conference game, maybe against Ole Miss or, um, you know, I don't know who else they play from the East this year besides Missouri, but, oh, the, to, uh, at Kentucky, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they could sneak up and maybe win that Ole Miss game or maybe there's another team they could sneak up on this year and, and possibly get a win. Well, maybe the Missouri game at home. But, like, again, if there's a scenario in which they're five and six at this point, I mean, that could be a game – that they could win, but I do think Arkansas is still one year away from being bowl eligibility. But like like we know, this podcast is not about Arkansas; it's about Missouri. And uh, with with us both both of us projecting Missouri to win, I think I had Missouri at nine and three. Uh, do you know what you have them at, Holt? I believe I also have them at nine and three, but I have them. Uh, let's see, I have them be, uh, losing to. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Georgia, but you had them losing to Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida. Yeah, I got them. So, lo- I got them losing three consecutive weeks after a seven and zero start. I think they're going to have a slide late October into mid November, but then they're going to rebound against Tennessee at home, and then go to Little Rock and play Arkansas the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and uh, win that one and finish their season nine and three, which is going to be kind of like their bowl game too, since they won't have any postseason eligibility this year. Yeah, and it's really going to – their season's going to, you know, really start to heat up, um, you know, after that Ole Miss game. They they should be undefeated after that, assuming they're able to get past South Carolina at home. Um, and they should, you know, by midseason be up in the top 25 and 
you know, have that big game against Georgia um, will most likely be a huge game in, in my opinion. Um, and one thing that we didn't talk about and we didn't forget, I just didn't want to bring it up because I know a lot of Missouri fans are probably tired of hearing about it, but I do just want to make a quick mention of it just to see what you think. And that is uh, Missouri will not be able to play in a bowl game this year um, due to the whole thing with some tutor and it's all dumb and I don't understand why some players get punished for stuff that other people did and why fans have to suffer and coaches have to suffer because of this. Um, I just think it's kind of stupid, but they're not playing in a bowl game this year. And I'm just curious your opinion. Do you think that affects um, anything as far as like the regular season and like anything like that? I don't think it does. I mean, these guys are still playing on a good team and I mean, regardless if they're going to the postseason or not, these are still games that you remember for the rest of your lives that they're playing this year. I mean, you want to beat these teams that are on your schedule regardless of the postseason. But obviously, if they were to lose a few games, you know, early on in the season. Like, they could afford to lose a game that, you know, like they could afford to lose like that Ole Miss game or that Vanderbilt game because they're not vying for bowl eligibility and they're not vying for like a better bowl game than another team. They don't have to play that whole, um, you know, charade. or I mean, not a charade, but just, you know, I mean – if you were fighting for a bowl game, a loss to a, a you know an average to below average team in the regular season would, would be like a huge blow to you. But since you know you're kind of taking it like a game by game basis, I guess you know because you're not vying for that bowl positioning, you know maybe maybe it, it puts them in a position where they could lose a game that maybe you know on a normal bowl year they would be really focused in on because of the you know the bowl order or whatever. But that being said, I just wanted to bring that up and just mention it. Uh, the NCAA is pretty stupid, but that's just what happened. That's how it goes. And um, I actually don't know, but are they would they be eligible to play in the SEC championship game or would they, or not? I don't think they would be eligible. Yeah, for that. I don't think they would be. So either. even if they were to come away with the East this year, if they, you know, God willing for them, if they uh, came away with the best record in the East, I don't think they would be the team that would go to Atlanta. I think it would actually be the team that finished second. In the East, that would go to Atlanta. Okay. See, I wasn't sure, but I assumed that they are not eligible. But I, I guess I don't know for sure. But man, if they are, if they, if this is, if there's a clause in there that allows them to play in Atlanta, that really throws a wrench in things. Because what if they could play spoiler? Yeah. And uh, let's say if the West champion, assuming it's Alabama, and Alabama's you know twelve and zero or eleven and one, and they beat them, that keeps the SEC potentially out of the playoff. Yeah, that would be a really crazy situation. Um. But that being said, I think we've gone long enough on this podcast. We've given Missouri their just due. And uh, Alex could not be here uh, tonight. Um, I know a lot of people are probably happy about that because Alex sucks, as we stated earlier. Yeah, I think I think we do well with just both of us. Okay? I do, too. We talk, I think we, we spend more time talking about football when it's just me and you. Yeah. And, I mean, this is, this is what this podcast is about. It's about football. And we even stuck in some food there, too. Yeah. like To me, uh, we're, we're about football and food. Football first, food a close second. All right, and uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I'm Holt, and over there is JB, the tender king of Memphis. And thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you all around. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of The SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. 
Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh,